Hi, and welcome to The Trail to Austin. I'm your host, Bob Morse, and as always, my co-host is here, Joel McCall. Hola. How are you doing today, Joel? Yo soy perfecto. Sweet. I feel well stewed in September. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, here we are. It's the second day of autumn, and it's just hot as hell. So I know. I, I don't know what the heck. So we've got a special guest today. Uh, he is a DJ on Coop Radio, a uh, host of two shows, actually, uh, The Singer and the Songwriter and Off the Beatle Path. And it's no coincidence that we're at our new location, New World Deli, tonight because the Eggmen are playing after this. <laughs> so yeah. I yep. think there was some kind of alter, ulterior motive there or something. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'd like to welcome Rush Evans. Hey, thanks so much for having me, both of you. Hello, Rush. It's a, it's a privilege to be here. So yeah. how does it feel to be the interviewee? Weird. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I, I interview musicians every week on The Singer and the Song and sometimes on Off the Beatle Path. And uh, and for I write for Goldmine Magazine, a record collector's magazine. So I get to interview rock stars like your own kinfolk. Joey Molland of Badfinger, thanks to Joel. Boom. Did you hear that name drop? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'll do it for you, man. I think that's so cool. But, yeah, so I, 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 it's a big deal. To, it's a big deal to me to get to interview musicians, um, whether they're super famous or otherwise. And I'm just honored to have them on the radio. So, yeah, weird to be the interviewee. So on co-op radio, uh-huh. you have this amazing Freedom, it seems, for that hour for the singer and the songwriter, and for that hour off the Beatle path. I know we're getting the title of the show right, right? Uh, it's is the it? singer and the song. That's what I was afraid of. I, I thought I heard say. you say that. Uh, songwriter. So, but well, our mis- our somebody's got to write it, right? <laughs> Close enough for country dancing. <laughs> the singer and the song. Yeah, yeah. It keeps it broad because it implies it's a singer-songwriter show, which is true, but it's also stylistically... Open. Not limiting, yeah. yeah. I've had, you know, I get, I've had you on, uh, guy writing songs, singing them, acoustic guitar. I have a lot of shows like that. But then, but then, you then had I've had the a, explosives. I had the explosives the other day. I've had the Peterson brothers plugged in, and I have Joe Kid Carrasco, and you know, full band things. So I, it's it's all over the map stylistically, so just like my. I'm going to ask, how did you get started in this? In the radio, yes, stuff. Um, it's a good question. I, I well, the, I'll answer that by answering how I got to Austin. Okay. Because that's, you know, your your trail to Austin is uh, is is the the show, and that that ties right in. I just by luck, I was a, I was a kid in Waco, Texas, and my dad got a job, and I couldn't believe. I was so angry with my father when he said that we're moving to Austin. I was in the middle of sixth grade. I didn't want to come. I remember just having a meltdown. And I said, this is stupid. And I really went off on my folks. And um, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And we moved to Austin. And my parent, my father ran a television station, KTBC, because Lyndon Johnson sold it to the Los Angeles Times. And the first guy they hired to run it was my father. So we, we got here at the end of 73, beginning of 74. And... Um, and my parent, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have friends, you know, like you do when you're in a, new in a town. And I would go to the Austin Public Library and check out records. 
and uh, like you do. And checked out records and ride my bicycle home with a, holding a record. And uh, my mother and father went to the Villa Capri Hotel for an event because my dad was involved in all these things. And one night my mom came back and said, they went to this event. I don't know what it was. And she said, we saw this this singer and he was so good and you'd love him because you like music um because i was in love with elton john and john denver and and uh simon and garfunkel at that time and jim croce those were my biggies and already before we left waco and then mom says this guy he just moved back to texas from nashville and i think he's about to be really big and we just saw him at this event at villa capri named willie nelson so i checked a willie nelson record out of the public library and then Jerry Jeff Walker. And then Kinky Friedman. I found out his sister went to school with me. And then <laughs> Stephen Fromholtz. And boom. And, wow. I, and, a lot, and I already, before leaving Waco, I was already a Beatle guy. And then that just, and just boom, 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 just dominoes started to fall. And I was collecting records. <laughs> and then, that bad habit. <laughs> and when you have a father in the television business, and you fall in love with music like I did at 12. Well, I was 12 when I got here, I should say. I, I guess it just sort of fell in and then went to radio, TV, film, college at UT. After falling in love with concerts and stuff, I did make it to the Armadillo, luckily, just six times. But at least I did. I was slightly young for it, but I'm glad I caught it. I don't think that stopped many people. No, I know, and I wish I'd, I mean, so much I wish I'd seen, but I'm like, eh, my, my, my concert list is pretty good, but there's so much I'm like, oh, I could have done this, I could have done this, but my concert list is pretty good, but, but yeah, I guess it just fell in that I had to go into radio TV business, and so then I got out of college, and I got a job at a radio station. I met Joel McCall, he was an ad agency guy, and he would come by and we'd chat, and I was, on the air, and I, I went to the airport every day, and I was a traffic reporter. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I was airborne over this town two hours a day in a single-engine Cessna. Wow. It was nuts. Yeah. And I thought I'd won the lottery. I just graduated college, and I'm getting $900 a month to fly around over. Like, oh, this is the coolest. Well, since this place is, has been known as the uh, live music capital of the world, you've obviously seen the music scene change quite a bit here being a fan of it. Yeah, and well, f- falling in love with those guys at that time, and I, again, that's I'm a little weird, you know. And Joel was probably, well, you I'm got here. I'm a little weird too. Well, yeah, but being slightly, just slightly older than me, he probably saw a lot of the cooler concerts that I missed. But I was getting into this crazy Austin music scene that was bursting. In 1974. I mean, it burst wide open, 74, 75, 76. But I was doing it by not going to the Armadillo. I was doing it by going to the Austin Public Library and checking <laughs> out these records. And I was transfixed. And Michael Murphy. I was, I was transfixed by these guys. And Willie, of course. It changed. I, I wouldn't be doing the singer in the song or off the Beatle Path if it were for those days. And my mom coming home from Villa Capri and... Talking about Willie, it's it's funny the little origins you know that you think back on. Right, and part of what you know Joel and I have discussed from time to time, just when we're talking off the air, um, you know, it seems like I felt like because I got here in the '90s that 
the music scene in the 90s was really strong. But then, you know, he points out this, there's stuff going on forever here. And then I think back about it, and it's like, oh, yeah, there was another wave there, and there was another wave. Yeah, there, there was all those waves. And, I, and I, 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 again, I look back with anger at myself for missing this, that, and the other thing. And I had a girlfriend in college who didn't like to get out. And, and I, you know, I was right here. I just almost in this neighborhood hanging out with her when I could have been seeing Stevie Ray at the Rome Inn, you know. <laughs> but I did, I did get, I mean, I was already, by that time, we're talking uh, early 80s, Joe King Carrasco, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and all these other things that went far beyond the redneck rock of that 70s wave of those what we now call Americana acts, who I still love, by the way. I, I mean, I'm still huge about Stephen Fromholtz and Rusty Weir and all those guys. But And I did see them. I started to see them, even as a teenager some. But, but during those college years, I'm like, why wasn't I going every night to those clubs? But I'm trying to make up for lost time. <laughs> you know, when I look at your Facebook page, Every day, you're holding a new album cover up, yeah. signed by the artist. Yeah. Uh, I think you signed your record. Well, I, I did. That's <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right here in this room. How many albums do you have? Um, we're over 4,000. Are they in alphabetical order? Um, <laughs> they were or chronological. They were they they were alphabetical. A big chunk of them is alphabetical, but I've got all the signed stuff separated, and there's a thousand of those. Wow! Wow! Yeah, and then there's about five hundred ish LPs that are Beatle related, and another thousand CDs that are Beatle related, and another thousand CDs that are signed. It's wow. a twelve step program. <laughs> Step one, admit you have a problem. Yes. yes. <laughs> we're, we're, we're past step one, that's you for know, sure. You know, if you're going to have a problem, though, that's not a bad one. Well, there are worse addictions is what I always say. There are that. There are worse addictions. I remember a really interesting album my stepdad had that um, I've, as a kid I got to listen to. He had a copy of the London Chuck Berry Sessions. Oh, that's a cool – yeah, I don't have that, but I know the record. I mean, I've got The Great 28, which is his you – know, Right. And more Chuck Berry, some of those. But well, what was interesting to me uh, at the end is you hear a guy come out on stage and say, you've got to leave the stage. You've got to make way for Pink Floyd. You've got to leave the stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You know, I saw Chuck Berry. Sorry if I bounce around. No, that's this fine. Is, this is my way. I saw Chuck Berry at the Paramount in those days, about 1980, I don't know, mid-80s, I guess. And... Um, and the ushers were trying to keep people from jumping on stage and dancing, and they did. And there was this one uh, kind of stocky, older guy, usher with uh, black horn rims. And uh, he was keeping everybody off the stage. By the end of the night, during the encores, there was no hope. And Chuck Berry was leaning on a speaker. And people started jumping up, and the, the guy that ran the Paramount at the time runs out on stage, and Chuck Berry just looks at him and nods his head no. And that usher was on stage dancing by then. And everybody was dancing on stage. It was amazing. And then to leap ahead many years later, I took my kid to see Chuck Berry at the Paramount. By now, Chuck, about 10 years ago, Chuck Berry was 79 years old at that time. 
So I, I always look forward to the day when my kid can say, when say I, I saw Chuck Berry, and they'll say, no, you didn't. Sweet Little Sixteen was a hundred years ago. <laughs> and he can say he was 79 years old, but he did the duck walk and everything. Well, so. even more important, he can say, my dad took me. Thank you, Joel. And so, in case my kid ever hears this podcast, and I hope he does, I'll rattle off the cool things. I, I think it's important that a father do this. I've made sure to have taken my son to see the following important folks. I'm not just talking about good. I mean good and important historically. For someone born in 1993, this is a good list for my kid. Bruce Springsteen, Chuck Berry, Robert Plant, The Who, The Stones, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, Bob Dylan. There are more. I mean, that's a... That's a good list. That's a that's a list for people our age. Right. That's a great list. <laughs> and this is a kid born in 93. He's seen all those people. Well, and his, his appreciation for that is only going to grow. I hope so. Yeah. He, he loves music. His taste isn't exactly like mine, but that's okay. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. And, and part of that's part of all of it, you know, isn't it? Is finding your own music. But, you know, I found my parents' music. I went backwards the older I got. And my parents saw Louis Prima in a lounge in in Vegas, and I interviewed Keely Smith and and Louis' widow, my own, and his sidekick, Sam Butera, years later. And my parents were alive for me to have interviewed those three people. It's a very big deal to me. Very cool. Wow, that is cool. So, speaking of taste, uh, you've been in Austin through many of the different ways. Yeah. Through Clubfoot and Raoul's yes. and, and Antones and many different incarnations and things. Uh, do you have a particular vein of music that you love? That's a great question, and I, I, I don't know how to answer it, except that I love introspective singer-songwriters like what you do, Joel. I mean, that that's why I have that. Singer in the song, but I. It should be called Singer in the Songwriter. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'll take it <laughs> up. Just because we mis- messed it up twice. I'll, I'll take it up with the, with the board of the show. <laughs> but, um, but I, like I said, I keep that show broad because I'm so broad. I, I don't, I don't restrict myself, but the fact that I'm so into the Beatles and all these singer songwriters seems at odds to a lot of people, maybe. But I, you know, I love the zombies, and I love. I'm a huge Dylan person. I'm a huge Springsteen person. But Springsteen's kind of maybe Springsteen's the bridge because Springsteen is an introspective singer-songwriter, but he's also just a, a, a basic a rocker, basic rocker out of the Chuck Berry vein. And so maybe, and because I'm a huge Springsteen person, best show I've ever seen in my life. I still claim to be the first time I saw. I'd have seen like 2,500 shows in my life. First time I saw Bruce, which is the Irwin Center, December seventh, nineteen seventy-eight. Forget getting married and having kids and you know grandkids. It's your first Bruce show. So, since Bruce Bruce was your favorite show, I should say it that way. Um, what has been your favorite interview so far? Favorite interview of people I've interviewed? Yes. Oh, that that's a really good question. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> Interviewing Ringo Starr was. I mean, like I can die now, you know. A beetle called my house, yes. you know. I mean, that's just, that's <laughs> wow. just nuts. Yeah. And uh, but it was short. It was it was 
eight minutes long, beginning to end, and there was a publicist on the whole time, and it went fine. I was nervous wreck, and it's kind of painful for me to go back and listen to. I didn't. If I listen to it, I know I didn't embarrass myself too bad, but I, I feel like I did. But he was fine, and he was nice, and it, we didn't even say goodbye. The publicist just kept, okay, thank you, Rush. You're good. You're done. Bye. And he and Ringo says, time's up, or something like that. <laughs> but he said my name at the beginning, and he says, Rush? And, you know, that was the coolest. But So that was maybe the coolest just because of what it was. But the best interview, the most interesting person I ever interviewed, I think, um, my friend Harold Eggers, who, who managed Towns Van Zandt, in as much as one can do that, um, do you know Harold? No, but uh, you told me this story. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He got me to the home of the late, great Bob Johnston, who was the producer of Blonde on Blonde and, uh, you know, Nashville Skyline and partially Sage Rosemary in Time. And he produced all these amazing – he even produced a single on Louis Armstrong. He produced everybody. And his stories were just riveting. And I found him fascinating. He's real foul-mouthed and real verbose. I, I, I had him sign a Loudon Wayne. I'm a big Loudon Wayne, a huge Loudon Wainwright fan. You don't get, there's not a better songwriter alive than Loudon Wainwright III, and I'll stand on Dylan's coffee table. And I, I love Dylan as much as anybody. But, um, but I had him sign that, and he, he says... His son is Rufus Wainwright, isn't it? And I said, yeah. I said, he's great. I said, he's great. He goes, yeah, he's great. He's gay, isn't he? And I said, yeah. And he goes, that's awesome. So, <laughs> so he thought it okay. was, he, he thought that was like some sort of defiant thing. Like, uh, you go, you, you show him, you know, he just, show the old man. You show the old man. <laughs> that was like his rebellion or some sort. But he, I just thought it was funny, but, my favorite thing that he said, but he was, he rambled on about everybody. He loves Bob Dylan. He loved Bob Dylan as a person. He said, bro, and he made Bob sound pretty normal. And I always think of Bob Dylan as being so strange. But, oh, he's a great guy, you know, and he just loved him and talked about him. But when I finally hit on Elvis, because his wife, Bob Johnston's wife, wrote a bunch of songs for Elvis Presley's movies, those really cheesy songs. Oh, no. Yeah, you know, the, it's hard to rumble in a sports car, those kind of songs. And I met her, too. She was very nice. But I finally brought up Elvis in the interview. And Bob Johnston, who was just talking stream of consciousness for a couple of hours, he kind of went silent for a minute. I said, do you have anything to say about Elvis? And he goes, when you play touch football with Elvis, he can tackle you, but you can only touch him. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I thought that was the greatest thing I've ever heard. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. That's all he had to say. That was the whole, was the complete quote. You know, he didn't have anything else to say about Elvis. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that was kind of, that kind of got into the next question I was going to ask. And that was here in Austin, by the way. This right. all ties to, that he yeah, lived, yeah. Bob Johnston lived in Austin, you know. No, I know. I mean, it's it's never ceased to amaze me, the people that have lived here do live here that you don't know live here yeah all this kind of stuff um but the the question i was going to ask was is there an interview that you didn't think was going to turn into anything and it actually turned much turned out much better than you thought it would oh that's a good question um you know 
Um, there are times that I've interviewed, like I just recently interviewed a guy named Terry Draper from a band named Klaatu that everybody thought was the Beatles in the late 70s. He's in Canada. He lives in Toronto. He's still there. And I, I didn't know what to expect, you know. I, don't, I didn't know what to expect. And it just turned out to be the nicest guy. We just end up chatting. Um, when I first interviewed Freddie Steady Kirch years ago for a local magazine called The Good Life, a really good magazine I wrote music stories for here, um, Freddie, I, I, I didn't have any expectations about the interview, but to now, Freddie's one of my best friends in the world, and he has a rich history in this town. He was Jerry Jeff's drummer, and he had the explosives and Shaking Apostles and Freddie Steady's Wild Country, and played drums with B.W. Stevenson and Rocky Erickson, so much. But um, So, yeah, it led to a beautiful friendship. Um, but I'll, I guess the main one I'll answer that with is, is Buddy Miles. Buddy Miles. Really? He lived here. Right. Really? Did you know this? I'd heard no. that before. Yeah. Buddy Miles lived here, and I, um, I didn't know it. But a friend of mine met a friend of his just by happenstance. And said that he was trying to write his book, and um, and my friend said, "Well, I know a guy who writes for Goldmine Magazine. His name's Rush." And so the next thing I knew, I was having a meeting up at a coffee shop. This friend of Buddy's, and we sat and talked, and she was real nice. And she said. Um, but he's not doing well. He's, you know, he's in bad health, and he lives right here. And you know, he's um, he doesn't have any income right now, and it's just not a pretty situation. But he wants to. He needs somebody to work with, and I could go take you to him right now if you want to meet him. And so we went right then, and we and she he'd already heard about me, and so <laughs> she and I caravaned over to his house, which was in North Austin. Off of 183. And we walked in, and she goes, Buddy, this is Rush. And he was sitting there, and he goes, What I want to do with the book is. <laughs> and I guess I was hired. And and we just started talking. And we never had a business conversation. And then I came back over a few days later with a recording device. And I never wrote down a question, not one time. And I started going to his house about every other day. And I have 25, 30 hours of stuff. And I've written about him, and I'm uh, I, I'm not writing his official biography. His uh, his daughter's working on that. But um, I didn't get everything I needed, but I want to do something with this. And I have done some things already. I wrote a goldmine piece. Um, but it was an extraordinary experience, and I spent two months with him. And, uh, that must have been incredible. It, it was incredible, but his his memory was not good. So the stories, I've learned a lot later, you know. But the main thing, it was incredible just because, I, you know, he became my friend. And it was two sh- very fast months, but it was very intense. And we spent a lot of time together. And he he, um, he was just sweet as could be. He, he, but he was not well. He, he, was, he was dying. And, and, um, and I had to tell him. You know, his wife told me to go back in and tell him it's okay to let go on the last time I saw him. It was, it was, oh, wow. It was pretty powerful stuff. But um, And he was gone 36 hours later from the last time I saw him. And then the next night, you know, 
Clapton and Winwood were doing them changes on stage at, yeah. at uh, Madison Square Garden. So that was pretty special. But he he was a sweet, dear man. And but the one thing, if you mentioned uh, Jimi Hendrix, he lit up like a Christmas tree. Really? Yeah. He loved Jimmy so much. Oh, okay. I thought you. You were talking anger wise. No, no. <laughs> he, he 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 sparked. He he smiled and he laughed because Jimi Hendrix was a cut up. I mean, he yeah. He said he was so funny and all they did was laugh and cut up. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. I know. You think I think of Jimi Hendrix being sort of a serious cat, but he was zany. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're gonna. We're going to wind up having to do a part two of this. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. No, 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 it's not that. I just went. <laughs> I know we've got a band firing up in about 15 minutes, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there was some other questions that we typically ask our guest on here, and we're going to get to those now, I guess. So sure. Obviously, you've seen a lot of changes uh, being here as long as you have. What's what's the biggest change you think you've seen or felt in the city? Oh man, I, I guess the same as everyone else that. The growth has been too dramatic, too fast, and I've been really devastated at the loss of our institutions these last few years. And you know, Joel mentioned Club Foot and Raul's. Raul's. I just went to the Raul's reunion the other night. The yeah, Sam's Town. Yeah, at Sam's All Town Point. Yeah, and um, it was cool to see those bands, um, and that's good because we're hanging on, you know, to old Austin, but. Well, it was funny driving up the street here, you know, and looking over at where the Antones used to be. And yeah. You know, what is it now? That, that's the hardest <laughs> part. But I, I guess you could say that about any city in America. It doesn't matter where you are. There's going to be old institutions that are gone. And we're – say, I guess that's the hardest thing to, to take with the change. But, but again, look, you know, there's amazing musicians going to start here in a little bit. You know, the, the guys from the Eggman, the mighty and wonderful. I mean, there's not a cooler Beatles tribute band than the Eggman. No, and I agree. Beatle tribute bands all, I've seen some of these big touring Beatle tribute bands as a Beatle guy. These guys are amazing. So, Austin, so, we, you know, even when we have tribute bands, we keep that cool. You know, we're... No, so we, we have keep, some of the best tribute bands. We have bands. some of the best. We have a good B-52s tribute band, here, tribute band here. There's lots of cool stuff. There's a Sly Stone, uh, Curtis Mayfield tribute band that's playing tonight. You know, so so so, songwriters, tribute bands, rock and roll, soul, blues, those things are still alive in Austin, thank God. And and you know we have vibrant musicians like Guy Forsyth keeping the blues alive. You know, so we that's the good news. But the, I don't know, you just there's there is always that paving paradise and putting up a parking lot. Yeah, um, you know, ever since I moved here, I always heard about the armadillo, you know, and it was never here when I was here. Yeah. But um, I lost Liberty Lunch, and that one devastated me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was only there about a half a dozen times, too, but I'm glad I was there. I yeah. made it. It was such a crappy little place, but it had tons oh, it of personality. Great. It was great. It was great. I saw had Jonathan half a Richmond roof. a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Uh, the one I missed there, one of those great regrets. Uh, Ricky Nelson played there, like not long before he died. Isn't that crazy? I saw the Violent Femmes there. You're kidding. <laughs> no. That's amazing. It was a fun show. Oh, that's very cool. That's yeah. where I uh, was introduced to reggae. Ah. Oh, I saw the lotions there once. Yeah. yeah. The lotions. Were, oh, they were great. Yeah. So, 
If there's something that you could, uh, some advice you could give to people moving here or contemplating moving here, other than what we all want to tell them, don't. Don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, is there anything you would tell anybody contemplating moving here? I would say if you want to live in Austin, Texas, be sure that you want to be here because you want to celebrate the arts. Because you can live in any city. But this city really loves and embraces embraces and celebrates the arts, musically, visually, and you need to participate in that. If you want to have the privilege of saying, I live in Austin, Texas, and it's a cool place, get out there and appreciate it. Because if, you, if you're just going to go to work and go home and watch TV, you can do that in Detroit or anywhere in the world. A lot cheaper, too, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so no, um, and what would you say is the biggest personality change you've seen in the city besides just paving over stuff and things? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the personality of the city has changed. I guess it's... It's kind of a melting pot now because we've got everybody. Everybody, you know, people. We're we're like a miniature New York. People come from everywhere to live here. Ever since the tech boom of years ago, so I guess the personalities changed because before we we really were rednecks. Yeah, I was going to say it was the whole point of of that that movement of the 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 redneck rock scene in the mid seventies. The armadillo sort of being the center place centerpiece of it in the mid-70s was to put the hippies and the rednecks in the same room, and that's what Willie Nelson did, because every, who, who doesn't love Willie, both sides? So we really were a bunch of hippies and rednecks, and both camps kind of loved each other, and that was kind of beautiful, and now, yeah, well, there's still rednecks and there's still hippies, seem farther apart than ever, but I won't get on a political rant, uh, <laughs> but... Farther apart than ever, and I guess we've lost some of our, I don't know. Country charm. Country charm. Maybe that's a good way to put it. Yeah, well, we've lost a little of that. Everything was, uh, you know, I've talked about this before. Everything was cheap if you lived here except the housing. Yeah. You know, you could eat cheap. You could get entertained cheap. You could do whatever. Yeah, but you had to pay for the housing. You did, but uh, do you know who you know? John Inman. He's an amazing guitar player here in town, and just a great artist, songwriter, singer. He doesn't really put himself out there that way. He sees himself as a guitarist, a musician, but he's he's the whole package. Great guy, great artist. But he's been playing in Austin since 1966, and he's I, I'm not going to say the numbers right, but he said, yeah, 1966. You know, beer cost. 50 cents and rent was 90 bucks or 65 dollars or whatever it was and everything cost these things and bands got paid 200 dollars a night and now you and know still get paid 200 and still a get night. paid 200 dollars a night so that's the piece that hasn't changed unfortunately so that's why i say celebrate the arts you got to celebrate the arts because the artists aren't getting paid that and does bother the me. band Tip the band. Tip the band. This is huge. And, and, you know, artists look forward to coming on my radio show, both of my radio shows. They love it. They appreciate it. And I'm like, are you kidding? This is a privilege for me. I get to, you know. But they appreciate it because 
it's kind of needed. They need a place to play on the air so people who've never heard them before might have an incentive to get out and go, hey, I like that guy. Oh, that's, that's, oh I can see that at New World Deli next Sunday afternoon. I'm going to go see Joel McCall over there. You know, So that becomes an important uh, thing because musicians are, are good and decent and very passionate people in this town, and they're not getting paid. Oh, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I learned something this morning that I didn't know. Today's ham day. It is ham day. It sure is. And if I know me, I might end up seeing another music even beyond these guys tonight. If I know me, so I might have warned my wife on be, the phone that that could happen. On the you way might here. be the either one of you two would probably be adequate at doing it, but you may be actually an expert. Why don't you tell the audience what ham is? Oh, Health Alliance for Austin Musicians. I'm not an expert on it, except that it's a cool thing. That That's a, a super Austin-y. It's ensuring medical services for, for musicians that are notoriously underinsured. And, uh, that's a, At incredibly affordable prices. Right, and it's designed for musicians. musicians. I, how many cities do that? That None. is That is such a cool and wonderful thing. So, Hamday... So everybody's raising money for him, and there's artists playing all over town at grocery stores starting at seven o'clock this morning. And now, where else is that? Where else in the, in the world can you go hear a musician at seven o'clock in the morning at a grocery store? Yeah, no, I. That, <laughs> that's why I woke up, flipped on the news this morning, and they said the band's getting ready to go on. It's Ham Day. I was like, wow. Yeah. What a what a good day to interview you. <laughs> Well, I, I'm delighted to be here, but yeah, if I weren't here right now, I'd probably be crawling around. Ooh, where should I drive to now? It's, well, it's I'm a, thinking it's an that addiction. part two is definitely in order if you'd yes. be up for that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because uh, I have a feeling we've just scratched the surface of of, of Russia's cheesy life. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot to it. Yeah, I'm a music goober. I'm just a collecting music goober. I love. And thank this. God for that. Well, thank you. I, 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 all I am, I just see myself as a consumer. That's why I have these two radio shows. That's why I write for Goldmine Magazine, and that's why I go to gigs. I'm just, I feel self-absorbed about. It. I feel like oh, it's just all about me and my entertainment. Let's keep Rush entertained. No, that's cool. You know, you know. So, when I got up this morning, that was my first thought. How can I keep Rush entertained? <laughs> <laughs> what have you done lately for Yeah, no, you've done a lot, okay, Joel. Okay, so you're going to have to think about that before our next episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How am I going to entertain Rush today? It, <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I'm very lucky to get to celebrate music the way I do. Okay, so I want you to plug your radio shows. Well, thanks, man. Um, co-op radio is a, it's an extraordinary... You talk about Austin-y. Man, co-op community radio, K-O-O-P, 91.7 FM, and we stream worldwide at koop.org. All shows can be streamed for two weeks after their original air date. Um, but my two programs, off the Beatle path, it's all Beatle-related. I don't even play the Beatles. I play solo Beatles and covers of Beatles songs. I have live artists come and play Beatles songs once in a while. These guys have done it. Um, the Eggmen. And um, I play family members. I'll you know anything that involves like here's Ringo playing drums on Joe Walsh's record. I'll play you know it counts as Beatle related. So it's it's just fun and I literally thousands of hours of material there without even you don't even have to play the actual Beatle. Um, off the Beatle path noon on Mondays Central Time, and then the singer in the song is just as it sounds as we discussed. It's just a live guest every week. 
I prepare zero questions written out, and I just have someone like Joel come on and play. And we usually get in somewhere between five and eight or nine songs live. Sometimes we play one or two tracks off a CD, and we chat in between, and I sit there and be entertained by world-class musicians, and it's Saturdays from 3 to 4 p.m., and it's really extraordinary. I mean... This Saturday, I have a young woman named Amanda Pascali. She's a, she's a college kid. She's fantastic. She's great, and she's in college. And then you she know, went I went to the Antarctic. I saw that. Yeah, on Facebook, yeah. she's fascinating. She's wow. gonna be. I'm gonna have to make sure I don't talk with her too much because to get the yeah. songs in because well, she she's going to be in town for the uh, Swerfa West Regional Folk Alliance. And and that every time this year, uh, every time this yeah. time of year, I make a point to not book an Austinite on that date. It's important to me that somebody who's visiting, same thing during South by. I like a non-Austinite to be on those dates because everybody's here. But um, I've had you know I had Sean Phillips on my show. Sean Phillips, he played the Isle of Wight. He sings back up on Lovely Rita on the Sgt. Pepper album, for God's sake. Yeah, and I've had Sean Phillips on my show and Shake Russell and Dana Cooper. I saw them. Uh, I've had them separately, but I have saw them at the Paramount Theater years ago. They've been on my show. Butch Hancock's been on my I mean, I've had these amazing talents. Joel's been on my show a couple times. I've. And still, he's on the air. I know. Still, he's on the air. Somebody so, likes you. <laughs> yeah, we love co-op. And the rest of co-op is just like this. It's shows conjured up by individual volunteer programmers, and there's a style represented of everything, which is so Austin-y. There's, there's every imaginable show. We have a couple of reggae shows. We have loungy shows. We've got uh, hip-hop. We, literally everything under the sun. It's beautiful. It's a great, great community radio station. Okay. And any um, web addresses or social media or anything you want to plug? You know, I'll just say K-O-O-P. Um, I, I don't have my own thing. I mean, I'm on Facebook, and I promote the heck out of my shows, so if people want to find me on Facebook, my name's Rush K. Evans the Third. Because there is a fourth. So I had to put the third on there, and uh, that's the sun we were talking about. Um, so, yeah, I'm findable that way. And then Goldmine Magazine. I write for Goldmine. I have four things coming out in the new issue. I'm pretty excited about it. Excellent. Including Joey Mullen. So, Bad Joel, figure. do you have anything that you want to plug? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's Yeah. It's the end of September, first of October is always huge because the aforementioned Swerfa. Yes, Southwest Regional Folk Alliance. I've got three showcases on Friday. All right. Uh, let's see. Playing in Houston first Sunday of October. Playing with Barbara Nesbitt. Oh, she's so cool. Oh, Bart, I am so excited about this. She's coming up on my show. Oh, she's, she's been on before. Should. I love her. I do too. Don't. She's originally from Georgia. Really? I yeah. She was from Florida. Yeah. She sent me a letter before she ever set foot in Austin, Texas, because we had a mutual friend. Really? Yeah. And now I know her. She's an Austin. She's an Austin institution. So yeah. So Swarfa this mm-hmm. week. Uh, then the following week, October second, Samstown. Oh, neat. Yeah, playing on Wednesday with Chip Dolan. Oh, he's so great. Uh, playing again at Samstown on Friday the 4th, opening for my buddy Ramsey Midwood. I need to get him on the show. You do? Yeah. I have, hasn't, I've met him. He's good. Yeah. He's, he's fascinating. 
October 6th in Houston, Rehab Bar. Uh, October 12th in Houston, J.P. Hops House. And, of course, the aforementioned October 9th with Barbara Nesbitt. Oh, yeah. See, don't we live by the pyramids? There's just live great music happening all over town right now. You just rattle off some dates and places, and then there's... Guys are going to play here in a minute. You know, we, well, we live by the pyramids. That's why people need to go out and see the pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> or come yeah. out to New World Deli. One of, if you can't make New it World Deli. Pyramids. This room we're sitting in is so. Forty First Deli has great music. It, you book it. It's amazing. Forty First and Guadalupe. There is music here seven days a week. Yes, yeah, six that, nights a week, and then sad, Sunday afternoons two to five. And then also, from time to time, they let two idiots come in and sit down and talk to somebody. So. <laughs> exactly. We'll probably do it again. This yeah. is a great room. I love this place. It's, 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 it might be my favorite burger in Austin. Really? I'm, trying to, I'm trying to decide who's the best, and this is way, up, way up there. That's, well, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah. All right. Well, looks like we'll wrap it up on that note. Uh, I'd like to thank Rush for coming in. Thanks as always, Joel. And until next time, we'll see you on the trail to Austin.